Welcome to Code Maze, a podcast for future Wolverines in healthcare from the campus of the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. I'm Julie Nelson, and I'm a pre-health advisor, and today we're very lucky to have Chelsea Moore with us from the University Career Center to talk about the process of applying to med school. So we want to go through some steps here for those of you who are going forward and give you some ideas and resources. And so first of all, welcome back, Chelsea. So good to see you. Yes, thank you for having me here. Always a pleasure. Well, we have a lot to talk about here. When we it do. Comes it's to, a busy time of year. It definitely is. And so we want to kind of break things down a little bit. I mean, where should we start? Maybe begin with talking about some of the nuts and bolts, like the MCAT, letters of recommendation, yeah. those sorts of things. So that makes sense to me. I think that's a good place to start. Okay, so let's just jump in and start talking about those things. Um, so when it comes to MCAT, what advice are you giving to students? Yeah, so I think that, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of questions that come in around MCAT, but I think probably the biggest question I hear from students is when to take it. I don't know if that's what you are hearing mostly right now, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, everyone's different in terms of the, what they've already done and their their process. Um, but we're going to talk about the timeline of the application later. But I think that for me, I think the ideal timing is to try to have the MCAT taken by April or May. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different reasons that things might be a little bit different for people. But generally, April or May is a really nice target. That way you get your scores back in time to see how they stack up to the schools you're applying for. and can really get a good sense of your application. At the same time, I don't think that you want to rush it. So I think that's something, a conversation to be had. Um, I'd rather you not sign up right the second to take a really quick April MCAT. But generally, that's what we're aiming for is an April and May scores. That way you can um, really have a good sense of where you stand with things. That really sounds how we advise students as well. Um, I know that it takes MCAT at least a month to score the results yeah. uh, of, of a student's test. And so... You want to, if you are planning to upload it into your application in May and June, yeah. then just leave time for that. Think backwards and really make sure that you can complete it in time. I think another part of this that is important is I might say to a student, be sure you're psychologically ready to take the MCAT, sure. yeah. that you've got the content down and you've had enough time to practice, and it's individual. Each yeah, person's a it little really bit is. Different. It doesn't always make. I mean, it doesn't make sense to rush it. Really, you want to make sure that you are ready to take it psychologically, and that you've taken the right classes, and that yeah. you feel like you've given yourself time to study. Um, so I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think so too. So it's an important aspect. It's one of the factors. And so um, if you, if anyone has questions about that, can always reach out to an advisor. Go to the Career Center. We're here for you, and we can really help you decide for you what's a good timeline. Yeah. That's part uh, of the application. Yeah, definitely. And then letters of recommendation. Yes. This comes up a lot. It does. Yeah. Let's talk about letters of rec. Yeah. So what are some of the questions that you typically get from students? I think a lot of times students want to know, well, how many letters yeah. of recommendation, uh -huh. right? Like how many do I need? And so one way to break it down is to really understand your target schools where you're planning to apply to see what they often will give you guidance on the kinds of letters they're looking for. Yeah. And so being able to know that, being able then to approach and have enough time to get letters of rec, much like the MCAT, you want to think backwards <laughs> from the day that you're applying so that you have enough time to get this organized. This is a good time of year, actually, for students to be talking with professors, talking with mentors. Um, what kind of guidance are you giving on that? Yeah, similar. I mean, I think it's tricky that the, the real answer is that it can vary by school what letters they require, how many. Um, 
not fun to not have one generalization that you can apply across the board, but it is true that you can see all the requirements for the different schools on the school's websites and on the MSAR. Um, so that's really what they want to be following. There are some generalizations that we know just to kind of think through. So we know that most of our MDDO candidates are going to be looking at four or five letters generally. Um, some will have to be from usually from academic faculty. So usually we see a requirement around two to three for academics with at least often two from the science fields. Um, so we can kind of say that's a generalization, but we really want to look at the schools you're applying for and you really want to follow their requirements. So yeah, creating that target list early of schools helps you really make sure you have a sense of what they're looking for. I would say that at a very minimum, students should aim for getting three, securing three letters of recommendation, mm -hmm. maybe somewhere between three and five, or depending yeah. if you have an outlier school that is asking for a letter that's different from the other programs. In that case, you might have more than five. Sure. You um, also might have more than five if you're applying to MD-PhD programs. That's an exception. Um, but yeah, for most students, more than four or five is going to be probably too many. So I think that's a good, that's a good number. Um, I think one other thing that's always worthwhile saying is that Mich Michigan does not have a pre-medical committee. <laughs> we get this question a lot. I don't know if you get this question Oh, yeah. A lot. We get this all the time. Yeah. So you might see online um, schools asking for a committee letter from your school. Michigan does not have a pre-medical committee. So don't worry about that. Just kind of ignore that requirement. You will be fine with the individual letters that you gather. That's right. And if you're looking for a way to store your letters, there's a really great service out there called Interfolio, which you can get for specifically for medical school. It's like a file cabinet in the cloud, really. <laughs> so you, you have to create the you have to create an account, but you would be able to store any letters of recommendation that you're collecting right now in Interfolio. And there's a way that Interfolio can connect to the AMCAS application site and keep it confidential. If you're curious about that, um, just contact contact us and we can help you with that, right? Yeah, definitely a really popular resource. I think most of my students end up using Interfolio for sure. A lot of students are using it. Yeah. There is a way where if you don't want to go through Interfolio, AMCAS will have a, a part of the application where you can put the name and contact information of your letter writers. Mm -hmm. AMCAS then will contact them and then they will be given a link that they'll be able to upload your their letter directly into your application right, site. Yeah. Right, yeah. So definitely options. Interfolio makes it a little bit easier, but there is a cost associated with it. So some students yeah. choose to go straight through um, AMCAS or right. Promise. Too. Right. Yeah. So those are all good ways of doing that. Yeah. Um, but I do agree now's a good time to be planting the seeds with professors and making sure that we're... Uh, you're, um, you know, making sure that you, they know that you're interested in getting a letter from them so that way you can have it written by early yeah. or late May, early June. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, okay, so now we're down. We've got AMCAS, uh, AMCAT down, and we've got letters of rec down. How about for requesting and sending transcripts? You know, that can take a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and it can get a little bit costly, too. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. When they're sending their transcripts in, about how long would you say that takes? Yeah, well, you might have a better sense of that piece, too, working with the students in the way that you do. Um, I would say that it's one of the things that's worthwhile starting early. Um, but there are some stipulations there. So if you're in classes for the winter semester, obviously you don't want to request them until your grades are in. So you won't be able to do it until, you know, you have your grades in. But I think that for most of my students, if they aren't taking winter classes, they might request early May to give mm -hmm. the time to kind of have that turnaround. Yeah, I would say that's a good gauge. Um, you want to have enough time so that you can, for all of these things, that you can upload this at the time when you want them. And so now, you know, we're, we're giving this information today because 
this month of February and going into March, these are good times for you to be thinking about organizing and knowing what's on the different parts of the, of the application uh, so that when the time comes and it opens, you'll have what you need to get it started. Yeah. Um, and you won't be feeling like you're scrambling in May to pull it all together. Right, yeah. So and the information's on the UM transcript office about how to do that. It's a little bit different for AMCATS versus ACOMA, so you just want to look ahead and make sure you know what the process is going to be. Absolutely. Um, I think a big part of this whole application process, I know that we're talking about a lot in our <laughs> advising center, is how to write about your public service and other activities that you've mm-hmm. done. And I have to say, I use the University Career Center site every single day as an advisor. Great. I'm so glad. I, oh, yeah. I think students using that pre-health section really have a store of wonderful resources Of course, we also direct them to our website where we have a lot of ways to prepare your application and a lot of resources and information there as well. Um, But it is important how you represent, right, Mm -hmm. your activities. As a career advisor, how how are you advising them? Yeah, so I think maybe thinking about what your your primary application is going to consist of is helpful to think about here. So you're going to have a place to talk about some of your activities. You'll be able to pick a couple and talk a little bit more deeply about those, the most meaningful ones. And then you'll have your personal statement. So those are three different different places you're going to be able to write about your activities. Um, For the personal statement, I think that we tend to encourage people to really remember the questions that they're likely going to be answering here. So why do you want to be a physician and what led you to those decisions? And I think a lot of times the first draft of the of the um, of the essays that people are writing, and this is true for the activity section as well, tend to be a lot a very descriptive about here's the thing that I did or here's the experience that I had. And I think that a lot of times we're encouraging students to really think beyond that as they're revising to what impact did that have on you? What did it help you teach what did it teach you about your skills, your values, your passions? Um, so we talk, try to talk about being reflective versus just descriptive in the descriptions of the activities that you're doing. And when you say that, reflective instead of descriptive, say a little bit more about that. If you yeah, a lot of times we'll hear stories about a really great volunteer experience or um, about maybe a patient you came across in your experiences that really had an impact on you. And one thing to keep in mind is we want the experience, we want the essay to be about you versus about the patient that you saw or the experience that you had. The experience of the patient is a way to shed light on you. Um, so instead of just spending most of your time writing in your essay, in your application about just the experience, we want to flip it. So it's a little bit descriptive, a little bit about what happened, and then maybe maybe it's a third of your essay about what happened, and then two thirds around what it means and what it shows about you. I think that's so helpful that um, it really comes down to asking yourself things like, "What did I learn from this experience mm-hmm. about myself?" What does it tell me about why I would like to be in the health field uh, and and what it means overall? How is it pulling you forward exactly. into this process more, yeah. right? right. Yeah, that's really important. And I know students will um, also try to figure out within that um, maybe what their values are in it, what kinds sure. of it can help sometimes doing this reflection thinking about what target schools you want to apply yeah. to as well. I know. One of the things we suggest people do early, which is hard to convince yourself to do, but it's really helpful, is to be journaling, reflecting, writing things down as you go. Um, so you really have great details already before you start your application about these these reflective pieces you want to share. Sure. And it takes practice. So okay. another thing that students can be doing right now, I think, is start your personal statement. Yeah. Really start writing down some things that you hope you want to include in it and doing the reflection. 
again, if students need help, we're right here for you. So please reach out if you have questions about it. Um, I know we already talked about the MCAT, but other tests can be uh, associated with this application process, right? (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about CASPER and or preview, the situational judgment tests. Um, I know these have come into view in the last few two to three years. Yeah. Let's let's see. One that you know it, students will ask about is, well, what is it? What do I do with it? How how is it different? So how is it different? Would you say? Yeah, I think they're designed to capture things that are hard to capture in an application. So they're looking at things like empathy, professionalism, service orientation. Different tests talk about different competencies, but they're all kind of boiled down to that those kind of core ideas that are hard to really test in an application. Teamwork. Um, let's see, re- re- dependability, resilience, these are the kinds of things that they talk about. So they're designed to help kind of get at that. So Casper and Preview both will give scenarios that you have to kind of respond to. And you might be on video responding to them. You might be recording yourself. You might be typing in a response. But they're just, they're just they present situations. And your goal is to kind of talk about how you would, how you would respond to them so you can kind of see your underlying competencies a bit more. They sort of, for me, remind me of the holistic nature of this yeah. process in that um, the MCAT, of course, is, is going to be testing the your skills in science, your quantitative skills, your, your understanding of, of psychology, social sciences. But here, it's more about how you relate with people, and it's more about the interpersonal skills that you bring, yeah. the teamwork kind of skills. And yeah. so be thinking about that because it's testing how you make decisions or how you work with others, which is a big part of medical practice. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe why they've come more in vogue. Now, I know at Michigan, I don't think this year they've really used either Casper or Preview um, for this round. Yeah, it can vary by school, which can get tricky, too, yes. if you're trying to think ahead. Casper is more popular, so I think most of our students will take Casper for some one of their schools. So I think most of our students' preview is a bit newer, so... It wasn't as popular last year. We'll see when they release who's take, who's using it this year, sure. if most of our students will be taking it. But, you know, some of our students will for sure be taking it. And I think a theme here is really, again, know your school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really be sure you've researched the schools that you're applying to. And um, it's, it's, it's something we all do. We assume that all the schools will be the same. But really, uh, while there are many similarities uh, in terms of prerequisites and other things like that, it is important to understand if a school requires that test or not, how big of an, you know, how much of a impact will it have on the application, yep. which actually you probably don't know when you're right? forward. <laughs> but you will honestly, know if they require but... it or if it's optional. Yeah. Not yet. They haven't released that information yet for the upcoming cycle. So if you're looking for it, it'll be out soon. They say spring. <laughs> so we'll, yeah. we'll see it soon. It should be, it should be coming out yeah. really soon for you to think about it. And then again, you know, please reach out. So I think... Another aspect of this, of course, is the timeline Mm -hmm. and understanding when to apply, what the process looks like, what the cycle looks like. This year, AMCAS is opening for students to create their account on, I think, May the 2nd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Acomas also will be in early May for students who are applying to osteopathic schools. And so let's talk about this a minute, what it's all about. And when it opens up, what does that mean? Yeah, so when it opens up, students will be able to see the whole application and start filling things out. That will open May 2nd. Um, the nice thing is that they have until May 30th to fill things out. They can't submit until May 30th. So end of May usually, but this year it's May 30th, is when they'll be able to push that submit button through for AMCAS. 
Um, so they have kind of May to, to work on their primary application. I, we should say that this is the primary application that will be the same for every school that you're applying for. Um, and just for your, your reference, you know, it will you'll be able to submit May 30th, but then AMCAS will spend about a month verifying applications and holding them, and they won't start submitting them to schools till June 30th. So most of my students are really aiming to submit late May, May 30th, early June. Um, that's a good guideline to give yourself is that submitting late May, early June is a good way to make sure your application's in that first pile that goes to schools. Yeah, it's the same for us. We'll, we'll advise students that when AMCAS opens the primary application site early May, this year May 2nd, that they are spending the month of May pulling it together, mm -hmm. getting the information in on all nine sections of the application, and working on it with the goal of trying to send it in early to mid-June, if mm -hmm. possible. And then, uh, so, therefore, AMCAS can verify it, the, the primary application then to send to their secondary schools. And then let's talk about the secondary process. Yeah, and I also want to add, too, in that there will be a waiting period for a lot of students that they submit May 30th or early June. And that's often where a lot of students are doing the situational judgment tests like preview and Casper. So I just want to mention that's a good time to do it is in that June timeline. Well, they're after they've submitted to Yeah, AMCAS. it's a common time and time. They could do it earlier, but that's actually a common time for a lot of students to do it. Yeah, so, we'll yeah. talk about that too. So then yeah. they'll have the results from Casper mm -hmm. or from Preview available to when they get to the secondary phase yeah. to yeah. put with the schools. Now, secondaries, Yes. so what happens is you send your primary application, let's say in June, and then it gets verified. AMCAS will go through that process of verification and then forward the applications to all the schools that a student will put on the app that, that they've identified as being where they want to be considered. Right, yeah. And then the secondary process begins. Yes, and this so is the whirlwind part, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, this is um, usually, what, by end of July and, yeah. and throughout the fall, the schools that are interested will reach out to students and invite them to fill out an yeah. application just for their program. And it kind of made, I mean, I think a student should expect a lot of secondaries because some schools just send secondaries to everyone that applies. Some schools do go through with some basic cutoffs, but they, most students will fill out a lot of secondaries here if they're applying to many schools. Um, so they should expect that it will be a time-consuming process. Sure. Um, yeah, and July and August is where a lot of our students are spending their time sure. in secondaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing to know about it is when you do the secondaries, you have to fill out all an application for each program. Right, yeah. So each school will come back with, or most schools will come back with additional essays that are more specific to their program. Why are you interested in our school? Those sorts of questions. Sure. Yeah. And it will just vary by school. It yeah. will really depend on the program. And so just be prepared for that. Yeah. Set, be set aside time yep, so it. you can do yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, comes down to knowing your school. When you understand the program, when you understand maybe their value and missions and things about it that are drawing you toward it. It's an important consideration. Mm -hmm. So when you get those secondary applications, you really want to shape it for that particular program. Yeah, and it's also a good reason when you're doing your target, you know, we're going to talk in a minute, I guess, about how to target schools. Um, as you're making your list now of who you think you might want to apply for, take notes of the things that stand out to different about different schools so you don't lose all that information when you then are filling out your secondaries that you can kind of remember some of the yeah. things that you liked about that school. You know, a question we get a lot is, when do I start hearing back yeah. from the interviews? Uh, when Or 
When should I, I be interviews? worried if I have not heard anything? Yes, yeah. So I so, think the, the hard part is that things feel very structured in May and June, and then it kind of is very varied, for, for lack of a better word, for most of our students. So they're submitting in you know July, August for their secondaries. And then uh, most of our interviews start don't start until, I don't know, September, or maybe a couple in August, but September, October. But the fact of the matter is they could be all year long. I'm talking to students now who are getting interview offers right, right now. Exactly. And it's currently February. So it really can vary. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about this process is, is the waiting game. The waiting game, the uncertainty. Yeah. Um, remember, it's a process. Yeah. It's a process. And it's not exactly the same at all of the different programs that you might have applied to. They right. might have... A timeline different from yeah. the first school that you applied to. So it's really important to keep these things in mind as yeah. you're going forward with it. Um, what about, what do you say about, because I'm getting questions right now, should I send a letter of interest or should I send an update letter sure. to a program? Yeah, so this is for our students who are waiting to hear back or uh, maybe you're on a wait list and not sure what they should do at this point. And some of our students wonder, should I contact the schools and give them information about what I've been up to? It's a really subjective answer. I think the most important thing to remember is to follow the rules of the school. So if they have anything written about it, follow whatever rules that they have. Um, I would say that a lot of the students that I work with who do send a letter of update do it maybe somewhere around December. So I wouldn't I wouldn't jump the gun and do it too early. Um, but it, and you want to focus on a, an update letter that's going to be meaningful, that's going to talk about what's changed in your application. So if you have gotten more clinical hours or you've had a an interesting research experience. You want to talk about that versus just kind of restating what you already said in your primary and your secondary. Exactly. And we're starting to get into the season right now with the students who applied last year in 2022 Mm. are at a point now where they're having to make some decisions about programs. Yeah. Uh, So when, you know, when do I need to commit to a school is a question that will come up a lot. Yeah. Um, Again, we'll tell them, follow the school. Yes. (laughs) Follow the instructions that you get. Usually by mid-April, you will be asked to uh, do more. You know, you have to narrow it down to three offers. Mm-hmm. For AMCAS, yeah. For AMCAS, it may be somewhat modified for ACOMAS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, you want to follow the school uh, guidelines, certainly by early May. Yeah, so AMCAS has a, a, a tool called Choose Your Medical Tool, and the Commit to Enroll button will appear on May 1st this cycle for this of our current students who are applying and that's a button that you can tell the school that you commit to, you plan to commit, although you still have to follow all the instructions of the school, too. So the, the heavy asterisk here is mm-hmm. the schools really set their own guidelines. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of a one date to keep in mind is May 1st is when that commit to enroll button will appear. And notice then the next group, then the next cycle opens as the one from the year before is just phasing out. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a full year process. It's for a full year yep. process to go through that. And so I, I want to be sure listeners understand that full arc of it. Yeah. Um, so how can they approach it? Like, this is a big process to get started. So for those who are going forward this season and this next cycle that's going to open on May 2nd, um, how can they start to think about choosing schools? Yeah writing their statement, letters of rec, like yeah. what, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think that that's a, a good question that people are asking, what do I do now? I think starting with figuring out what schools you might want to target is a great place to start. 
Um, most of our students, I think the average for the 2021 cycle was 23, 24 schools that students were applying for through for the MD process. Um, MD, PhD was a little bit higher than that. So if that's interesting to you, you might apply to it for a few more. Um, so that's a lot of schools to keep track of. So I think now is a really good time to look at creating a spreadsheet with the different schools you might apply for and thinking about things like metrics, you know, mm-hmm. where are you going to be competitive with your MCAT, your GPA, um, mission, value of the school, location, um, residency placement, if there are certain residencies of interest for you, if it's a research school, all those kinds of things can really come into play. Um so yeah, or curriculum, teaching, teaching methodology, how they set up their curriculum can be really important for students too. So now's a good time to start doing that research. They can look on, on the MSAR. There are some free resources there. There's also a paid subscription that I think is really worth it if you can swing it. Um, and it's also available for the for free if you apply for the fee assistance program and are accepted to that. Um, so I would think about kind of pulling your school, school list together and then starting to, to think about ideas like who am I going to have my letter of reference written by and what ideas might I, I think about for my personal statement. So that reflective process can really be helpful now. That way when things open in May, you're ready to go. That's right. I love it. I think this is a good time to be doing that. And let's face it, it's exciting to look at the schools. Yeah, it's fun. This is where you could go to a program. This is, could be spend four a years place of your life. You yeah. could spend four years of your life. Exactly. Um, a challenging time, but also uh, exciting to think about what opportunities are there for you. Yes. And we have opportunities here on this side of it campus resources to help students through this process. Totally, yeah. I know you've been doing the Gearing Up to Apply Canvas site yep. program, and so maybe talk about that. Yeah, so we have two major pre-med listservs, or sorry, Canvas sites through the University Career Center. One is called Gearing Up to Apply. We affectionately call it Gouda, and it is running, it started in January, and it's just about to wrap up with its announcements, but it's basically for students who are thinking about applying this upcoming cycle to get prepared, kind of covering a lot of the things that we talked about today. Um, it's about to wrap up, but you can still sign in, for, you know, sign up for the Canvas site and look at all the old announcements if you want to kind of see that in advance. So definitely recommend that. And then pretty soon here, we'll probably start publicizing in March for an April start, um, the UCC runs the MedApp Canvas site, which is much more granular. We'll take you through all the details of the application cycle as it happens. So we'll start in April with some overview content again about what to expect and then we'll start kind of walking through the process so it's kind of think about it as group advising for the application process do students have to sign up for the med app they do yes there's a google form that you can use to sign up and we'll add you to the canvas site it's all on the ucc's pre-health resource page i also publicize it a lot so check your email my name is chelsea it's probably in there oh yes we we talk it up too and so we'll we can also guide students so if students have questions please reach out to chelsea reach out to the uh, career center ask an advisor in all these different ways you can get this information lots of resources on campus too so the ucc does kind of these group canvas sites and then i know your office has a lot with students as well oh sure and so you know just want to invite students that we have of course academic advising we're so lucky we now have three pre-health advisors on the team. Yay. We have daily drop-in hours from 2 to 3, so students can check that out by going to our website for Noonan and going to the pre-health section. And so in all of these different ways, we're really encouraging students to come in and get information. And, of course, other things that we're excited about. Let's talk about the dates in March. Yes, yeah. So one of the things we're doing to wrap up the Gearing Up to Apply Canvas site is we're going to be having three live Q&A sessions between our two offices, between UCC and Noonan, the pre-health team at both. 
And we're just going to answer your questions about what it's like to apply. The sessions will not be recorded, so please come if you're available. Um, you can just probably come to one. They'll probably be fairly similar. Um, but we'll just answer the questions that come in ahead of time about the application process. Um, and they're just kind of littered throughout uh, throughout March. I think you have the dates, Julie, right? I do, yeah. So these workshops on getting ready to apply will be March 9th from noon to 1, March 15th from noon to 1, and March 21st from uh, 3 to 4 p.m. And you can register on Handshake. And so get registered and, and please consider attending. Another thing that's really great from the Career Center is to go to the UCAN site. Mm-hmm. That's a place where you can network with UM alums who are either in medical school or have gone on to are in and working in healthcare. Yeah, yeah. And so that becomes a great opportunity. These alums have volunteered to talk to current students about this process, recommendations and feedback and really mentoring. And yeah. so they've made themselves available. You can interview and talk to them. So if you're if you don't know about you can Check it out on the career site. Come talk to an advisor. We'd yeah. be more than happy to help you with that. And just check out the website in general. I think both Noonan and UCC have a lot of content that you can always come back to around these topics, around personal statement and letters of recommendation and pieces like that. So just definitely check it out. We want to create these opportunities, workshops. We want to give provide these resources because we understand what an open-ended and very <laughs> stressful, right, and yeah. very... You know, it's just, it's a long process to get through this, but you're not alone, and we really want to help students understand the full scope. Yeah, we're here to support you and answer your questions um, in a variety of different ways. So definitely come engage with us in person or on our websites or in these workshops. We're here for you. Perfect. Any last thoughts? I think, um, oh yeah, the Health and Med Expo is a an event that's coming up that you should definitely target. Um, it's March 8th. It's will be in the Michigan Union and we'll have schools, med schools, but also other health professional schools if you're interested in kind of checking out what's there. Um, so that's a great thing to check out if you want to talk to some admissions officers and just understand a little bit about the different schools. Okay. Yeah. yeah great. Well, listen, this has been so fun talking about this process. Students, we're here for you. Um, Chelsea, thanks again for coming of by. Of course. Thanks for letting me walk walk with this process through with you. I think it's always fun to talk through. It is. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Code Maze, produced by our own wonderful Maria Rabb on the University of Michigan campus in Ann Arbor. Our music, Total Happy Up and Sunny, is by Sasha Ande. Be sure to follow Code Maze on Spotify or check out past episodes on the LSA Academic Advising Center website, pre-health section. Thank you and see you soon in advising.